We're going to be uh, in Ephesians, uh, starting with chapter, uh, uh, starting with verse 11. So chapter 4, verse uh, 11. We have a Bible underneath your seat if you want to follow along, but they'll also be on the screens. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your love. We pray, Lord, that, um, that this morning um, we can uh, understand the unity that uh, you want from us as your people. Lord, would you speak clearly through us, through Pastor Mike, Lord, we ask that you would, uh, that you would bless him. Lord, we acknowledge your presence here in this place this morning, and we act, uh, ask you to be powerful uh, during this time right now. Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it. Um, Today we continue our series and our celebration of Back to Church Sunday. Uh, the theme that we've been exploring over the last several weeks, or a couple, few weeks, has been together, and we're drawing our lessons from the book of Ephesians. Uh, interesting doing some research this week. Do you guys know what the largest living organism is? Yes? Huh? Skin, no, no. The largest living organism. Now, if you're a scientist, you probably have debate about how this is measured. But check out this picture. Many, many consider this to be the, the, the largest living organism on earth. It is in South Utah, and it's called Pondo. And it is the, it is the largest uh, uh, aspen forest uh, trees. It, it's, it, it's, it's located in, in the south bank of Fish Lake, Utah. It's called Pondo. It's the largest grouping of aspen trees uh, ever identified. It covers over 100 acre, uh, acres and it is uh, derived from one single root system. From one single root system. As you look at it, you got that other picture? Yeah, as you look at it, the roots go, grow uh, uh, unseen, but it, it's coming from one single root system. It looks like individual trees, but it's actually one living organism spread over 100 acres. It's pretty interesting, right? And uh, there's, a, there's all kinds of efforts going on to protect this because it's the only one that we uh, see here in America. But I show it to you today as a picture of how believers are, can be connected and are to be connected as one. That, that the church is, if you will, a living organism. It's not singled out. It's not individual trees with their own root system. It's, it's actually one, and we're rooted and grounded in one thing, and that is Jesus, right? And so we as this church is that, that, that we're going to talk about how, how we can be connected as one today. And when we find ourselves connected together as one body, we find strength in that. 
Even when we face difficulties, we're called to work together as one because together we are stronger. If you weren't here for the last couple weeks, as we're celebrating Back to Church Sunday, uh, we've explored these concepts of togetherness. And, and the first message we talked about is together we find peace. We find lasting peace. We find the peace that Jesus offers us through his gospel, that, he, that we are accepted, that we are forgiven, that we become part of his family. And then the Holy Spirit takes up, up our space. He comes and dwells in us, and he gives us this peace because he is our peace. And then secondly, we, we talked about together we experience love. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But today we're going to explore the truth that this is that together we grow stronger. Together we grow stronger. Again, in the recent weeks, we've talked about the church of Ephesus as a group of believers who, who face challenges much like we face today in the church. They too lived in a fast-paced city, multicultural city, and they were all, there, a lot of them were coming to faith in Jesus. And so they had Jews and Gentiles. That means, that means Jews, the God's chosen people, and then a bunch of other people, a, a bunch of other people that didn't look like Jews. And so there was this melting pot, if you will, of believers. And so there, their, their job was to figure out, as the, as the gospel being their foundation, to figure out how they can intersect their lives and intertwine, intertwine their lives together, working out their faith together. Part of the way that they did that is they, they, they would read letters like the book, the one that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. And that they, together they would wrestle through some of the implications of that. They would wrestle through some of the things that Paul was trying to teach them. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing to do because it was very countercultural, the things that Paul was saying. That in light of the gospel, in light of the good news that God has, has adopted you and saved you and redeemed you and put you into this new family, how do you now live your life in, in light of that gospel? And so they, would, they wouldn't agree with everything that Paul would have to say, but they would submit to it because they believed that Paul was ordained and anointed by God to bring the good news, to lead the church. Paul was the, the, like one of the amazing super Christians of his time that God really worked in and through him to write these letters to help direct their lives. So in light of all the challenges, Paul uh, uh, emphasizes this thing about togetherness, the importance of togetherness. Again and again and again, he's calling us to be united, to, to fight for that, to stay in unity and, and just urge for that. And togetherness, this togetherness that he wanted to fight for is this, that the gospel is central to our lives. He says the gospel of Jesus Christ, the redemptive story of God's work that God is bringing us together to himself through Jesus. This has to be at the center of what you guys are standing on. That this gospel, that this is what God is actually doing in his culture, in this world. This is his master plan. The story of redemption, God bringing himself to us, to Christ. And now how does that story then impact our lives? Because God intends us to, to walk in this and to help change the world through it. That Jesus Christ, Christ, this is God's plan. Again, it wasn't easy for the early believers, but they, 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 they committed themselves to the scriptures and, and, and committed to working them th those things out together. As we study and explore the ideas that Paul presents, uh, it's, it's, it's the same reason. We want to do this because we want to renew our commitment as a church to become a welcoming committee, or committee, <laughs> welcoming community, no committees here. <laughs> Wrong church. Uh, a welcoming community, one of love, grace, peace, and, and, and togetherness. And, and we really believe that when we do that, when we commit ourselves to the things, to God's teachings, that, that we will have a huge impact in our communities. 
We do this because we're committed to, to being on this journey together as a church, encouraging one another and supporting one another, walking together to discover this greater purpose that God has for us as a people. Do you, do you get excited about that, that God wants you to be involved in something way bigger than yourself? Do you realize everything that you sow into the kingdom of God, everything that you do in the name of Jesus, everything that you do to bring people into the family of God will last for eternity? I wonder what you're doing right now that you can say this will last forever. This will last even beyond my years, beyond this will last in eternity. Everyone that we see come to faith in Jesus here at this church is going to be an investment for the kingdom of God that lasts forever. And so... Uh, if you're following along in your bulletin, we have provided you inserts. We do that every week just to keep you on track and to keep me uh, like going off the reservation too far, right? Keep me on track. But we've changed them up a little bit because we're encouraging everybody to be in community, be together, be in community groups. And so there's actually four questions at the bottom of uh, the insert that you are to take with you to community group and discuss tonight what you hear from the message. And so... Uh, if you're following along there, the first principle and kind of the big truth that we're hoping to convey during this entire series is this. The church, that's your first word, the church by its very nature is a place where we live, learn, worship, grow, and make an impact in our world together. This is kind of that big overarching truth, the thing that's driving, the thesis of this whole uh, uh, sermon series. This is what it is. And this is part of the beauty of the book of Ephesians. The first half of the book, you'll remember that Paul primarily deals with God's redemptive plan throughout history. It is God who brings humans together with himself through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God sends Jesus to the world, not to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That God, this is God's master plan to, to save and redeem his people. He's, he is raised, he's sent Jesus to live a, a perfect, obedient life on our behalf. He sent Jesus to die a sacrificial death because the wages of sin, the gospel says, is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through him, through Jesus. So Jesus goes and he takes a cross that he didn't deserve, but he took it for you and I so that he can offer us forgiveness of sin. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. This is, this is where our secret sauce is as a church. It's the resurrection. Jesus lived after this and he proved that he is the, the one eternal eternal God who has the power over Satan, sin, and death. And so he proves himself to be the one true God that, that is the, the one that can guarantee life, new life after death. And this is what he offers to our churches, to us, to people. And by coming to be one with humanity, Jesus changes absolutely everything by fulfilling God's plan. Do you know that even the world's calendar is based upon this event? Right? We have, we have B.C., before Christ, and then A.D. is Anadonai. Anadonai means, is Latin for the year of the Lord. And so we are at a date right now, September 29th, 2019, Anadonai. 2019 years since the day of the Lord. This is really what marks our whole world has been changed by Jesus. Not only is our calendar changed, but he is changing lives by, bring, by drawing people to himself, by saving them, by redeeming them, by calling us back together as a church. You see, because the good news of the gospel is this, is that God is reconciling sinners 
back to himself, back to God. And then he's also reconciling us, the church, now saints, redeemed by Christ, back to one another. That's why this togetherness thing is so important because God is not saving you to separate you again. God is not saving. Maybe he's saving you to send you. We just experienced that uh, this morning. He's, he's, God is sending Izzy and Ibeth to Seattle, but he's not sending them out there to be alone. We're actually going to connect him with a God, Christ-believing, Christ-centered church where he can live out what God has for him together in a, another community of brothers and sisters. Together as, as, as believers, we can experience God's love personally with himself and with one another. And today we're going to learn that together as believers, we can grow stronger and deeper as individuals and as the body of Christ. In, in the book of Ephesians, it's broke up in two parts. We've talked about that. And in chapter four, Paul uses this word, therefore. And whenever you see therefore, you have to know what it's there for, right? So he says here, therefore. And then so what, it, what, what Paul is saying is that there's something, that, that overarching redemptive story that I've told you in the beginning, you have something to do. And so whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you know that something is coming very important. And it's this key word that is supposed to spark our interest to go, wait, I need to listen up here. I need to understand what's coming next in light of that redemptive message that I just heard. What is this therefore here? And so when you see therefore, you get excited and, get, and pay attention because it's super important because it leads us to now our response to that good news, that gospel. If, if, if there is a God and he loves me and, and he loves me as I am and he sends his son Jesus to save me and, and to raise from the dead and to bring me and redeem me, then what is then my response? Therefore, therefore. The first part of Paul's letter is an explanation of the gospel, but what comes next is super important because it's our response to the gospel. The word therefore turns the gospel story directly toward our lives as individuals and as the body of Christ. And then Paul begins to explain how the truth of the gospel should have an impact on our life and the world around us. You see, we've learned the last two weeks that peace and love has come. And, th and that is part of the gospel story. Now it becomes your story. Now it becomes my story. And therefore, we have, uh, we have responsibility then to take this peace and love outward. We need to live in it and take it outward. The shift it, that Paul makes comes in Ephesians 4, verse 1. Let's read it. It's in your bulletin. It'll be on the screens, but hopefully you'll, you'll have your Bible open to Ephesians 4. And we'll start in verse 1. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, say me, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you, say me, have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So Jesus brought us grace and forgiveness and healing and lasting peace and unconditional love. Today we turn our attention on how these things should shape the way we live and the way we treat one another. Paul says, lives that are worthy of the calling that you have received. Do you, is your life worthy of the calling, of the message of the gospel? Is your life a reflection of the response of the gospel in your life? Does your life like pour out, is it an overflow of the love and the peace that you have found in Christ? Is it? 
Do you have so much of this gospel influence in your heart and, and pouring? Is it pouring out of you now? Are you walking in a manner worthy of your calling? This grace, forgiveness, lasting peace, and unconditional love, how is that, how is that translating into your everyday life? In our opening scriptures, Paul writes this. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is our direction. We're to be like him. We're to be like Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in what? Love. Now we enjoy, uh, Sheila and I enjoy vacation. She enjoys it more than me because I don't like the heat as much as uh, she does. But, but she lo we love to go to the river, right? In Colorado River, we've got this picture of, of Tim and Elijah at Parker. Yeah, check that out. Parker, Arizona. And this is the Colorado River. Uh, we like to go with our church family together to the Colorado River. Super fun. But, but the river, Colorado River, is 1,450 miles long. Isn't that amazing? That it's this body of water, but it's really super interesting that this river begins with drops of snow melt. Drops of snow melt that, that goes and finds its way down a hill, that these drops become trickles, and the trickles become channels, and the channels become streams, and eventually the streams becomes this river. This river so forceful, so strong, they could actually carve through the Grand Canyon. How is that, that, that water can, how, can, how is that that can happen? It's simple. It's when the water comes together, it has this kind of impact in our world. Water itself is no different than, than when it started, but, but as the sources of water combine, the river gains strength. Maybe we can think of strength in numbers a different way. What about animals in the wild? When they're alone, they're vulnerable, aren't they? But they pack up together and they become stronger. They care for one another and they provide for each other. The same is true for the church. Strength in numbers brings protection and it also provides the basic needs that God has for us. Every church found like this has strength in numbers. And Paul is, is pushing this out. Paul is encouraging this unity and this togetherness. The early church found this kind of strength in numbers. They all came together and shared everything they had in common. Look at what it says in the book of Acts. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and, their pos and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you see kind of the connection of, of what we do here as a model in the church? That we gather here, this will be kind of the temple in those days, where, where we are trying to gather and encourage and to share and to edify the church and to call you to togetherness, to community. Where you will be in community, breaking bread to one another. When you're breaking bread together, you're enjoying people's company, you'll, you'll end up eventually caring for one another. I love being in our community group. There's not a need. If, if you go without in our community group, it's because you didn't open your mouth and you didn't share you had a need because we are willing to sell our possessions to care for each other here. And I love that about our community. And that's why we encourage people to come in. The model that we are, 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 are trying to live out here at Encounter is the model that God has given us in the New Testament. 
One that we are breaking bread together, fellowshipping together, praising God together, growing deeper together, uh, caring for one another and serving one another together. We see this from the beginning of time. Humans were created to live in relationship. In Genesis 1, we're told that Adam was was alone in the garden and God looked down upon him and he said, it's not good for, for him to be alone. And what he said is, I will make a helper suitable for him. Listen, it is not good for us to be alone. We need people in our lives. We are created for community. We are created to fellowship with one another and we become stronger together. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone because he was weaker by himself. We need to be together. I want to be clear about this. This is not about about gathering more people and counting heads and filling more seats. This is about becoming a a closer, tight-knit family. Simply counting more heads is not the ultimate goal here at this church. We'd love to see this church grow wider. Uh, We're constantly encouraging you to invite your one to church, those who are far from Christ, because that's part of what it means to be the church. But that's not the main goal here. That's not the ultimate goal here. It's about strength that numbers can bring because more people means more influence in our, in, our, in our churches. More people means more creativity, more ability, more skill, more compassion, more relationship, more love, more support, and more impact in the world around us. We can do more and we are better together because we can do more together, can't we? We can care for one another better together. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes gives us a few great examples of how uh, we are stronger together. Look at what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, it is, if two lie down together, they they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, the the Bible says that we are better together. We are protected together. We are stronger together. This is the idea. And Paul explained to the church of Ephesus that this process of finding strength together started with Christ. It started with the gospel. It started with Jesus. And now it's to come to us. We're to live this out now. Look at verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people, that's you, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but a little confessional here. There's some days I just don't feel like full maturity, right? I feel almost immature in my faith in Christ. I just do. And and, and sometimes I feel like I'm pretty far from attaining the fullness of Christ. I don't even know what that really means. Actually, the more I learn, the more I read, the more I discover I don't know. And the more I need Jesus. Uh, But I find my strength really around people people around the church is where I get my confidence. It's where I get. And so I'm grateful that God says, he, you know, I'm gracious to give you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help you along the way. We need each other. We need each other's influence in our lives. I mean, you can't go to, to, you can't be a solo Christian and make it happen. This leads me to my next principle. 
It says all believers are to be working together so that we are being built up to accomplish God's work in this world. We need each other. This idea brings us, uh, the, the, this idea of the body brings us like closer to the point that we're trying to make here, that we are one. Paul doesn't leave much room for anything else as he explains this. Look at what it says in, 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 in verse 4. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that brings, uh, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. You see, we aren't instructed to act like one. We are called to be one. And this body is like this perfect metaphor. The, the human bodies are super complex. They have all kinds of different parts, but they function as one, right? You don't have to get up unless, you're, unless there's something physically wrong with you and say, foot, move. It just moves, right? And, and so it's this great example. Even though our bodies are made up of many parts, they function all as one. And much of us are like that. The church is supposed to be like that, that we function as one. I think some of you would probably be okay if you left some of your body parts at home, right? You're like, man, I just, this doesn't, this hurts right now. I just wish I could leave this at home, but you can't because you're one. And it's the same is true for the body of Christ. When, when the body of Christ isn't full and we're not together, we, 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 we walk with a limp, I say sometimes, because the whole body of Christ isn't here. This idea of, 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 of the body of Christ was revolutionary concept for the early church in Ephesus because they were so different. They were such a mix of people. This was this hustling and bustling town and they needed to understand that, that everybody, whether they're different or however their individual pieces look, that they're important to the body. They're super important to the body. We can't just say, hey, I'm going to leave eight fingers at home today and go to church. No, you need your fingers. You need to drive. You need to turn your buttons on. You need to do these things. You need them. And you can't just leave your parts at home. And so Paul makes this emphasis because he's reaching out to a primarily Gentile, very multicultural people, a big mix of people. And so he makes this, this, this idea of you being the body of Christ a, a major part of his teaching. Look at what he writes in Romans chapter 12. He says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Do you, do you hear that? He's saying, yeah, we're different, but it, it was a grace gift that you're different. It, it's the grace that we're not all the same, that God has gifted you differently. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use our gifts. Let us use our individualism. Let us use the thing, the uniqueness of how God made us as one body so that we can do what God has called us to do. He says, if it's prophecy in proportion of, to your faith, if service in your servicing, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, <clears throat> the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. I got a place in the kingdom. That's awesome. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Sometimes I think that our individual spirits, kind of the old self, uh, uh, likes to take over here. We don't like to belong to others sometimes. I'm pretty introverted. You probably couldn't tell because I'm in this position a lot, but I really am. You see, this is a monologue. It's not a dialogue. As soon as you start talking, I start freaking out. <laughs> see? Stop. <laughs> But see, uh, uh, our natural is to, to separate, that we want to do our own thing. But I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you this, that belonging is survival in the body of Christ. 
Listen to it in, in, a, in a physical sense. If, if an eyeball decides to detach itself from the body, it is not good news for the eyeball or the body, is it? They both will lack. One will die and the other one will go without seeing. Isn't that crazy? And the same is true for the heart, the ear, and even the big toe. If these things are missing from the body, when all, uh, it is not good news for those parts. But when all the parts are working together as one, the body functions smoothly, Paul would say. It functions correctly, and the body becomes stronger. It matures and is able to live out the things that God has created us and saved us for. Paul understood that. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together, say together, by every supporting ligament, ligaments, I was thinking about that this morning. I think of some of the, you know, I think seasons of our lives in the body of Christ become, uh, uh, they change, like our functions change. And I think of Milt Gilman, the glue that has stuck me in here. I think of, of, of Jeff Steenburgen, the man who prayed me here, the ligaments of this, like, like that hard uh, stick to itness, that, that thing that keeps us together. It's this legacy that we have at this church. Like Jeff prayed me here, all the way. Milt constantly bugged the crap out of me until I got here. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm, I'm calling you for the 19th time. I'm not telling you to come, but you should probably, if you want to come, you should come. We would love you to come, right? He was this glue. He was this, glue, this loving ligament that is so much more than a ligament. I'm telling you, he, he has the heart and the eyes, the, the hands, the feet. I mean, and this is what, what I'm talking about. Everybody has this unique and significant part of the body. Held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If you're not doing your part in the body of Christ, we're walking in a limp. But you know what? God has given us everything we need. God has given us everything we need. God has given us you, which is everything we need to do everything that he has called us to do. So what is he calling you to do? So what is he calling you to do? What is, what is he calling, what is right there, right in front of you? Together, the church can be this place of refuge and not a place of judgment. Together, the church can become a place of service, a place of rest, a place of worship, a place of healing, and a place of growth. And it's together that God is calling us to. There's no individualisticness here. I think this idea that, that together as a body... Uh, we can become stronger is the reason that believers can't just stay at home and listen to podcasts and feel like they're growing in the Lord. Or, or listen to worship songs. And, 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 and Have you ever done that? You're just like, I haven't been to church. Maybe I just need to listen to a worship song and it doesn't work. Or if I just pray, I, I don't need the body. I'll just pray. I'll just listen to, to podcasts and I'll, and I'll listen to some worship music and I'll pray and then I'll be cool. It, 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 it doesn't work. Now those things are good things. I, I encourage you to, to do those things and you should do them. But we also need each other. We need each other physically, mentally, emotionally. And this leads me to my third principle for today. The body of Christ, the church, that's your word, is more than a sermon or the songs or the prayers. The church is the people. You are the church. The church isn't this building. The church is you. And together, 
as one, we grow stronger. You sensing a the theme today? Before we end our time together, let's, let's spend a few minutes on talking about change. Because growing stronger together by definition means change. I was talking about change earlier, and this church has gone through a lot of change, hasn't it? This church has gone through a tremendous amount of change, and, and change is hard. It, it, it comes with its challenges. Um, and even the, but even though change is hard at times, it's good, and it goes hand in hand with spiritual growth. Neuroscience used to think that, that thoughts are shaped by actions, but scientists and researchers are increasingly seeing that it's our actions that actually shape our thoughts. The more you perform an action or behave a certain way, the more it gets physically wired into your body. It's like developing a habit. In our, in our 201 class, it's all about developing spiritual habits. And, and this takes time. It, it, takes, it takes time to, be, to develop a habit. And we teach you in that class what, it, what that really looks like. It takes time before it becomes second nature. Uh, one of our 20th, uh, early 20th century evangelists and teacher, Oswald Chambers, wrote this. He says, listen to this, it's kind of cool. It says, as soon as we abandon ourselves to God and do the task that he has placed closest to us, he begins to fill our lives with surprises or purpose. Another way is to say purpose. Or he begins to fill our lives as we abandon ourselves to him and start doing what he has placed closest to us. What's the closest thing to you that God is calling you to do? Together we go stronger by trusting God and doing what he's called us to do. What is he calling you to do? Maybe it is start and take that class. Maybe it is to, to plug into to community groups. We've been beating that drum quite a bit the last three weeks. But you're stronger together. And if you haven't been part of a community group, you need to be part of one. Maybe it's get into that ministry. Maybe it's move to Seattle. I don't know. What is God calling you to do? What is right in front of you that you can start doing today? And as you put one foot in front of the other, can we trust God to bring about this meaningful growth that he wants in your life? I believe that it'll, bring, it'll lead to lasting change in our lives. It'll lead to lasting change in our church, and it'll lead to lasting change and impact in our world. Paul goes on to spend like the rest of his time in Ephesians instructing and, and reminding the church that as believers, our behaviors and our actions should look way different than the world. Look at what he, write, look at what he writes. Ephesians 4 verse 22 he says you you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds you see that he's saying do something put this off action and be renewed made new in the attitudes of your minds and so he said you know just like the the neuroscientists today they're, they're saying that it's our actions that end up rewiring our minds be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He goes on to talk about specific behaviors that need to change such as anger, stealing, unwholesome talk, bitterness, and rage. Instead, he encourages us to, to, to be kind and compassionate, forgiving, and to be thankful to one another, caring for one another. I think about growth, and it, it, it's usually this slow process. 
It's like we live in this microwave society, right? That we want things right now. We want the magic pill. We want the instant fix. But the truth is that this is really a slow cooker. And it's just going to take, it's just going to take time. And, and it's just going to take time. And it seems that change can be hard if you're, especially if you're right in the middle of it, right? But I promise you, God will be faithful. This leads me to my final principle for today is this. We as the church are to commit to the habits that bring about change. And at the same time, trust in the Holy Spirit in us who gives us the courage and the power to change. Isn't that good news? Listen to that last one. We got to commit to, to habits of ch- that bring about change, but we do it as we trust in God, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the courage and the power to change. When, I, when you hear about change and when I talk about change, does that, does that well up some, some anxiety? It does me. And, and, and the anxiety comes when you feel like you're on your own in it. But you're not on your own. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We can't muster up really the change that God wants to do in us anyway. And that's why you feel anxious about it. But we must rely on his power and his strength. The Apostle Paul, one of the most famous Christians in all time, the guy that grew the whole church, the reason why we're here today is because of the Apostle Paul's ministry. He struggled with his own weaknesses too. He pleaded with God to take his weakness from him. Listen to what, listen to what Jesus said in, after his plea. Speaking of Jesus, Paul writes, But he said to me, speaking of Jesus, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You see that anxiety that, that, that is welling up in you when I say it's time to change. It's time to, to get your life going into a different direction, into a direction that honors God. And that anxiety that wells up is, is God's gift for you to go, you can't do this on your own. But my power is going to be made perfect in your weakness. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. When God's grace rests upon you. And so Paul goes, hey, then I don't want to pretend to have it all together. He goes, I don't want to then pretend to be everything I'm supposed to be. Are we okay? I am going to say this, that, I, we, that I'm just going to let Christ's power lay upon me. I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm not going to pretend to have it all together. I'm just going to allow God's power to manifest itself in my weakness. Because I need his power. I don't need to pretend like I have it all together. Boy, we're good at that. The church is good. I'm going to stop moving. It's impossible. Just like this. I need God's strength. See, I did it. Thank you, Jesus. You get my, what I'm saying? The church is really good at faking it. The church is really good at, 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 at putting on a varnish. But Paul says you can drop all that. That, that. that anxiety that you're feeling is actually a gift from God. That you're actually, you're, you're, you're seeing your limit. You're seeing the, the limits that you have as a person. And, and you can't, because you can't do this on your own. You can't accomplish the things that I want you to accomplish on your own. You need me and you need the church. We need the Holy Spirit's power and courage to change. And we need each other to support and encourage us along the way, don't we? 
And when we do that, we are stronger together. We are stronger in the might and a supernatural strength, and we are stronger physically together as the body of Christ. We can't do this alone. We were never created to do this alone. We acknowledge it and we accept it here at this church that there's no perfect Christian. This will never be the perfect place because it's always filled with imperfect people. And we do, we acknowledge it, we accept it, but we don't want it to allow it to be an excuse or, or make us settle for habits and, habits and practices that, 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 that keep us from God's best for us. God has called us to so much more, family. He's called us to so much more and he wants to carry us into this fullness that Paul is talking about. The fullness of Christ. The abundant life. He wants to strengthen us as the body right here on earth and he wants us to experience the joy of being one body, healthy and growing, full of love. And so the call is today is to continue to journey together in community committed to do the work and, and committed to the change necessary for us to grow as Christians. And so the call is for us to do that. Again, if you're not in a community group, we want you to get in a community group. What is God calling you to do that is right in front of you that you can start to do today that will help you connect closer to God and closer to the community here? The further away you get, and listen, you might be right in the middle of it, there are people in here that I know are right in the middle of it. But what you are going through right now is not meant to draw you further away from God and further away from God's people. It's supposed to draw you closer. Our rebellious hearts will, will just want to run because we want to run from it. But if you want to see God's power rest upon you, then come closer to him and closer to one another. Amen? Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the grace that you've given us to be here today as a community. We are stronger together. I pray, God, that this will be more than just information, Lord. This will lead these people to transformation. We would, we would respond here, therefore, because of the gospel, therefore, we will be one. We will fight for the unity. We will fight to be stronger together. We will fight because we want to be together to have more influence in our own lives. And we want to grow stronger together as individuals and as a church that we can have more impact for your glory. Father, I pray for the future of this church. I pray that this body will grow deeper, that you will, God, grow us stronger together, that we would see victories in Christ, and that we would also encourage others to, to come and to know the love of Jesus and the power of God that can rest upon them as well. God, we ask for your blessing in the remainder of this service. We thank you for the grace of being able to meet here today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the worship team is going to um, lead us in a song called uh, Thank You, Jesus, for the...